Good evening. Uh, welcome back to the uncut, 100% real driving theology. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a late afternoon version. Last last two weeks I did it in the morning, which was great. But I thought I'd just change things up again, see how things roll that way. Uh, as always, I'm leaving uh, my job, the, the place that I drive to. I've got about a 40-minute drive out in the countryside of Japan. I'm driving back to my home where we gather every Wednesday night. Uh, we have a really diverse group that meets uh, at my house uh, as the trying to be better, the ecclesia, the called out. Other words might be church, congregation, gathering, uh, whatever, whatever you fancy. Um, we have, I don't know, probably something like half uh, foreigners, most of whom are English speakers. Well, all of the foreigners are English speakers. Not all of them are, uh, are native English speakers, but pretty close. And then the other half, of course, are Japanese, about that. And out of the Japanese, probably about half of the Japanese, or a quarter of the group that meets, speak, uh, speaks English fluently, or fairly so. And then the uh, other ones either need some help, some translation, or uh, they need complete translation. Uh, Age-wise, we range from <clears throat> uh, college age, aside from my daughter, who, who doesn't really uh, take part so much in the gathering, um, who is 12, going to be 13 this week. Uh, but age-wise, we're about usually from about 20, and then up to nearly 60, nearly 60, I think is the oldest person. So 20s to 60s, I'd say 30s and 40s are where we have most people. 30s and 40s, probably 30s are the biggest. I'm not even sure, that'd be something interesting to, to find out. <clears throat> and uh, also out of all of these people, probably about, for about half, this gathering is, is their congregation, their their only congregation, whereas a couple of the others, <clears throat> I'm not sure how many exactly, actually, I don't know, maybe about a third of the people go to uh, attend worship services in a institutional church, whereas about a half to two-thirds uh, only attend here at our home. So we are a house church with a very diverse, very diverse population. Uh, and we usually do things in English and it's translated into Japanese. Once in a while it'll be the opposite. We really want to get to where it's the opposite, to raise up Japanese leaders uh, to where uh, they can lead in Japanese, and then for English speakers who need to 
need need translating. We can translate, but for right now, we're we're still pretty much uh, pretty much led by uh, myself and a few other uh, English speaking folk. Um, from the uh, from the English speakers, we have. Uh, some that are fairly new to Japan, less than two years they've been here. Uh, one guy has been here, I guess the next one would be um, Pat. He's been here 13 years. I've been here over 20, 21 years. And then Larry has been here over 30 some odd years, I believe. Maybe even 35. Um, we have... Probably about half and half, male and female. Um, ironically enough, most of the men are foreigners and most of the women are Japanese. <coughs> but my wife is the only Japanese wife that actually attends. We have a few Japanese wives. I, I guess we have three biracial couples. Uh, my wife and I, and then two more, but the other two... Uh, spouses do not attend. Uh, one of whom is a non-believer and one is a believer, but who attends uh, traditional church. Um, so yeah, that's that's the group I'm heading to. We we uh, have a lot of fun. We generally just get there at you know slightly different times, and we eat. Uh, people bring bring food, bring their own food. We sometimes share food, sometimes uh, sometimes we just eat what uh, we've brought for ourselves and then usually around that's, that usually is around 7 to 7.30 when people arrive and by 8 o'clock we try to get into our um, focusing on the book of John we're in John now, we've gone through Mark, Matthew and Luke and now we're in John, we're going to be in chapter, I believe the second part of chapter 4 tonight. Uh, and yeah, that's that's the group, that's what we do. Um, one exciting thing that we, we hope is going to take place this next April, we're praying about it, and we've decided to go that direction. Um, so notwithstanding uh, some unforse unforeseen circumstances, we will be multiplying a group out from us. So we have identified leaders and they will be going out from us to to hopefully disciple a new group. Uh, which would just be 10 minutes away. Uh, so that'll be another group about 10 minutes away uh, on on a college campus <clears throat> for the purpose of number one having a worshiping community on campus uh, so that <coughs> excuse me so that we can uh, make space for uh, uh, hopefully college students who are already believers or who are who are seeking who are close uh, a place where they can conveniently come to worship on campus uh, and and learn from the word uh, and in general just 
you know, the idea of multiplication is that when you reach a certain size, you go ahead and multiply a group out so that the two groups have space for more people to join. And then hopefully you repeat that process again, whereas uh, one congregation becomes two, two becomes four, four becomes eight, like that. And it's a multiplication uh, paradigm as a church model. And so, yeah, well, you can use the words split, but church split have such negative connotations. Uh, multiplying is, is what we like to we like to see it as. Uh, so we're in the process of doing that, and we're excited about that, and at the same time a little bit uh, fearful of what that's going to do, what that's going to look like, you know, how that's going to work out. Thank goodness, Jesus is the head of his church, and uh, he's here now, active and willing to be active, and, and wanting to be depended on for um, for the leadership of his church. And so, as long as we submit to the headship of Jesus, no matter what happens, it'll be it'll be okay. Everything will work out just fine. And so we, yeah, we're, we're kind of uh, in that situation. Um, last couple podcasts I had, I really felt like were some of the better things that I've talked about. Um, and I'm not exactly sure where I want to take things today. There are so many things that are always kind of on my mind and on my heart. Uh, one pertinent thing right now is uh, the American 2016 presidential race uh, and the spectacle that the GOP uh, candidates have become. Uh, on the one hand, you have... Uh, the Democrats, where you've got a couple of uh, older, um, been around the block type of people who have who have done politics for years, you've got Hillary Clinton, uh, former first lady, uh, senator, and uh, secretary of state. Uh, and then you've got Bernie Sanders, who is, um, uh, Bernie Sanders is a guy who I believe is from New Hampshire, I think. And he has captured the attention of young people, especially young liberals. Uh, and... He has a lot of great stuff to say, and he really speaks to young people because he speaks the <clears throat> the language of hope for the future, uh, that, that there's enough for everybody. If we'll just take better care of what we have, uh, we can take care of everyone. And so Bernie has done a really good job of, of uh, capturing the attention and the imagination of the younger generation, and of course his slogan is feel the bird 
On the other hand, you've got the uh, Republicans, led by, at this point, Donald Trump. Uh, and, you know, I really don't need to go into the details of this. You guys know what's going on with, with the whole thing. And, uh, but it is interesting, and there's, there's something that is important, I believe, to the reputation of the church, especially the evangelical uh, movement, and, and of course, uh, Jesus. Uh, his reputation, I believe, is is kind of taking some hits because of uh, the decisions of uh, conservative evangelicals to get behind Trump. And, you know, some of this is going to come out in the wash, so I <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what is actually going on. I don't really trust the media a whole lot. It seems like every media outlet has its own bent. Either for Republicans or for Democrats. So, uh, yeah, so who knows, you know, who knows what's going on there. But I do want to talk about this. I... On the one hand, Bernie Sanders really has piqued my interest. Now, since I've been reading uh, certain books by authors whom I respect, especially N.T. Wright uh, and Frank Viola, uh, I have learned that, that, and of course, through studying Jesus is, is the best, and that's where they get their ideas as well, is that Jesus was very concerned with the poor, with the outcast, with the foreigner, uh, with the sick. Uh, and he always did what he could to help, whether that was feeding, healing, touching, acknowledging. Uh, he did whatever he could for the people in need whom he came across in his daily life while on the earth, especially while in his ministry. He went out of his way to help people. Now, politically, what, what this kind of comes down to is that the Republicans want everybody to take care of themselves. They don't want to use public money so much to take care of these people. The Democrats that's their platform, right? Uh, social. Uh, the big thing is social democracy right now. Uh, which is, no, we, we should be using public funds to take care of our citizens who are in need. Now, these two, this fundamental difference in philosophy uh, is pretty much tearing our country apart. Now, the, I, I, get, I get the reasoning, when the reasoning comes down from Republicans in a way that is biblical, it kind of makes sense. And that is, <clears throat> it's not the government's job to take care of the needy. It's the church's job. It's not the government's job to take care of the needy. It's the, it's the job of the church. Christians should be doing that. Okay, now, I agree with that. I agree on one level. 
that that's absolutely right. The church should be helping people. And historically, we know that that early Christians were known for this. They were known for taking care not only of their own, but of everyone, regardless of religion or color or status or or class or whatever. Christians were known to, to selflessly take care of those in need. So, on the one hand, Republicans are right. <clears throat> Except for this. The churches are not doing it. By and large, they're not doing that job. Uh, and if they are doing it, they're not doing it on American soil. Now, th- I don't mean no one's doing it. What I mean is the size of the job the scope of the job requires a much larger sacrifice than thus far evangelical Christians have been willing to make. Uh, so here comes the Democrats, and, and you know, historically, uh, take FDR, for example, uh, and even I guess Woodrow Wilson before him, they came in with social, uh, social democratic reforms to help the American people while they were experiencing the Great Depression of the of the late 20s and 30s and in, into the 40s, just up to World War II. So they came with uh, the pinnacle in FDR's New Deal, uh, in which he instituted all kinds of social reforms uh, that, you know, went to job creation, uh, came down to, uh, of course, welfare, Medicare, or Medicaid, I'm not sure which one came on, but anyway, some kind of help uh, with medical uh, things, and and maybe lots of other stuff, college scholarships, probably loans, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm not exactly a historian on the 20th century, but there are numerous social reforms that he came up with and instituted that really, if you if you look closely enough, I think you could say that they worked uh, in retrospect. In, you know, with, with hindsight, we can say that his reforms did a great job. Okay. And then World War II happened. He, he passed away, of course, during World War II. Uh, but the, the reforms, many of the reforms he instituted, stood firm and, and now became a, a normal thing in American politics, something that has persisted uh, or uh, survived, I guess, up to the present day. Now, on the other hand, Republicans talk about smaller government, less taxes, you know, personal freedoms. Uh, So, all right, here's the dilemma we have. If we're going to take a philosophical stand on this, we are going to see collateral damage. We are going to see people not getting 
what they need. We're going to see children uh, starving. We're going to see sick people, people without jobs, suicide rate go up, things like this. If people don't receive what they need, the help they need. Now granted, a lot of these people are in abject poverty, uh, may even be addicted to drugs uh, and be involved in other uh, criminal activity. And <clears throat> the racial thing plays into this as well. You know, um, so, you know, what happens if you believe that as a Republican, for example, you believe that the church must do that job and the government should not. Uh, a Republican gets elected and the social reforms are stopped or drastically cut down, but the church does not take up the mantle. The church does not reclaim its, its place as benefactor to the needy. Well, the collateral damage, people are going to suffer. People are going to suffer and they're not going to get what they need. Okay, So if you're going to stake your philosophy there by voting for a Republican as opposed to somebody like Bernie, and really Hillary, they have very similar platforms uh, and uh, philosophies on, on social reforms, you're going to see collateral damage. Now on the other hand, on the other hand, if you just concede, if you if you have a heart for the needy and understand that they need help, and even if you are more conservative in your political views, you vote for a Democrat just so that people will get what, what they need, well, in a sense, you've conceded that the church is not going to do what it needs to do. You've conceded that fact. However the needy are taken care of, right? Now, of course, this is a very, you know, what's the word? It's not really a, a realistic scenario. Nothing works out perfectly that way. But at least in principle, you've got to decide what's more important. You know, is it is it more important that people get what they need or is it more important that the right people take care of the needy? Let me say that again. Is it more important that the needy receive help? Or is it more important that the right people give that help? That seems to be our dilemma right now. And my, up to this point, my, the direction I've leaned is toward democratic socialism. You know what? The needy the needy just need to receive what they need. They need to be taken care of. Forget about the politics of it. If the church is not going to do it, somebody has to do it. Uh, and so let's just let government do it. Um, but I don't want to give up on the church. The church universal. I don't want to give up on Christians. You know, many, there are many, many wealthy Christians, uh, especially in the Bible Belt of America. 
And from my experience growing up and living in that part of the country, my experience is that the, the average Christian does not give sacrificially, but gives out of their surplus. In other words, they give when they have extra, and it doesn't really pain them much to do so. Um, okay, now that's, again, a very big generalization. Uh, so I hope you can forgive me for, for boldly saying that, but if I'm wrong, and I'm talking again about the, the average church-going uh, evangelical, uh, we are a very materialistic group, um, and we like our, our homes and our cars and our stuff. Uh, we talk about those things all the time, whether it's at the office or at school. We talk about the new thing I got and the new thing I want. Uh, and we we kind of measure ourselves ourselves by what we have, and we we think that other people measure us that way as well. Um, so that uh, you know, if we are a lawyer, we want to look like a lawyer from the outside in. So whatever uh, expectation society has of a lawyer, we want to meet that. We want to look like what we're doing, and that's an important thing. Uh, and many of us want to look wealthier than we actually are, you know, which is a way to, to disguise uh, our own poverty uh, or, or, you know, living, living above our means, I think, is another way of saying that. Many of us live above our means. <clears throat> Uh, and, you know, I don't want to get too judgmental on that. I, I'm pretty sure what I'm saying has, has some truth in it. Um, so what's the answer, you know? Do the needy need to get help? Would Jesus help the needy? Did Jesus help the needy? And is Jesus asking us, instructing his church today to help the needy? Uh, I would say yes to all of those things. So the question is, what am I going to do? And the, the, the place where I have influence, my family, uh, the congregation with whom I worship, those the, in those places I have some uh, influence. So to use, you know, if I have a heart for these people who need help, and yet don't do it for some political or philosophical reason uh, that's disobedience, right? We, we are told to help. And the, the story of the, the sheep and the goats, I think, uh, makes that very clear. Uh, that the way that we love our Lord is through loving the, the, the people that He cares about. Um, and so for me, what that means is... Who cares what happens political? You know, in, in the political realm, who cares? Politically speaking. It's up to me to build the wall in front of my house. Okay? Just as Nehemiah 
you want to read the, the book of Nehemiah, there's some really interesting and wonderful things about it. But one of them is uh, Nehemiah's solution uh, to rebuilding the broken wall of Jerusalem was that, well, how about every person just work on the section of wall in front of their home? Okay, we can do that, can't we? Yeah, one of us may not be able to build the wall by ourselves, but certainly we can we can have an impact where we're at. And so I would challenge all of you who are who are withholding aid for the needy, waiting on you know all of this political stuff to get worked out, to really take a look at the wall in front of your house. You know, what what is the where are the places where you are on a, a weekly or daily basis, that you can make a difference with the needy. Uh, now, if you're like me, living in Japan, uh, this is a this is a challenging thing. I mean, in our city, of now, this is a city that that we we do most of our ministry in. <clears throat> we know of. It's a city of at least 100,000, if not 150,000 people. We know of only one homeless person. And he's hard to find. Now, when we can find him, we try to help him. Uh, but we know of, like, one guy. So if we happen to, to run by him, we yeah, we, we try to help him, of course. Um, but it's very challenging to help people in a more... Uh, affluent societies such as Japan and many parts of America. Um, so this is challenging, right? We There are needy around us, but mostly what we find are those who are needy uh, spiritually, of course, um, and maybe even mentally, socially. Uh, and we, you know, we that's that's what Jesus has to offer is help for people who are in those situations. That's you know, that's what he does. He's he's created that. So um yeah. Hope for the best political outcome, but in the meantime, build that wall in front of your house. And I, I I don't mean to keep people out, but take care uh, or, or help the people that you meet on a daily basis. You know, there, there's all kinds of people that need help, whether they're elderly people who live, you know, a couple doors down. Uh, you know, whatever. Look for people and pray for people that that Jesus will put in your path that you can help, because the gospel really has power when it's coupled with love from Christians. Um, and we saw that here in the, in the earthquake and tsunami of 2011. Um, it's an unfortunate thing that happened, obviously. And, and the loss of life was just astronomical. But Jesus really shined through his church during that time. Uh, more so than than maybe ever before. Uh, so yeah, I would just encourage you guys while you're waiting for this uh, political stuff to to settle. 
not to wait to help and to help people. Uh, have a good night, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.